A couple hundred years ago, the only thing you had to worry about was a hangover. You're telling me you're an investigator? More or less. Today, because of your curse thingy, you can't sleep with anyone. I'm not a teen. I'm your boss. Or else you might feel a moment of true happiness. You got already an addiction to the brooding part of life. Lose your soul. Except for the bulk of it, where I was nearly tortured to death. Become evil again. You're a demon hunter. Rogue demon hunter. And kill everyone. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Thanks, Cornelia. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Ale with Angel. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. And today we're drinking from cans. I know. I know. It's just not the same. Deal with it. Thought you knew us better than that by now. Hey, Rex, when you're done pouring that Gosling's Diet ginger beer, would you be a deer and pass me the skulls of my fallen enemies that I yes. filled very disrespectfully Here. with booze? Have a skull of your fallen enemy. Excellent. You know where I found this skull of my fallen enemies? Where? Walmart for $6. <laughs> so everybody who watched the episode of where we interviewed Harry Groner, I just want you to know... I spent like $120 that day, $60 on a fucking skull-shaped bottle of tequila vodka mixture that I didn't want (laughs) so that I could have the bottle. I poured it out into a different bottle. I didn't waste it. No. That's party foul. That's... That's alcohol abuse. That's alcohol abuse. That's the one. (laughs) And then I spent another $60 on a bottle of... Johnny Walker Black, yeah, which is a halfway decent scotch, to pour into that bottle. And then I found literally the identical <laughs> fucking mold of a decanter. Yeah. The identical mold of a skull decanter at fucking Walmart for six more, fucking more importantly, dollars. More importantly, that one is easier to pour from. <laughs> the only thing about it that I regret is that it does not have a proper... Stopper, yeah. Stopper for it. It's just a little wooden ball that's bullshit. We can probably find, like, a cork or something that will fit it. Oh, yeah. We'll figure something out. I am not worried about it. Well, we we have a lot to get through yeah. before we get to the actual episode. But we also have uh, fun news. We are recording from our new location. Yeah. Which is, for the first time ever, Josh's, Josh's apartment. <laughs> Well, house, actually. It's a full house. I have roommates, but we don't share it with anybody the fuck else. Yeah. And, you know, this is weird. Yeah, I know, right? I don't live at my mom's anymore. I know (laughs) I said it while we were recording at my workplace, but it's it's more real now. I bought my standing desk that I kind of planned my entire life around, and it doesn't go low enough when I'm sitting, which kind of defeats the purpose of a standing desk. So... A lot has changed over the last few weeks. Um, First off, Josh is no longer living with his mom. uh, Sure. But uh, I'm also engaged. Yeah, what the fuck, bro? (laughs) I thought it was supposed to be bros before hoes. You're supposed to ask me to marry you. No. Before your sexual partners. All right, look. We already have a lot of projects we're working on together, including this podcast. Yeah. Don't you want to live together and work together, too? I mean, we've talked about living together before (laughs) as roommates. Sure. But, like, we're very intermingled in our lives, Josh, and I I think maybe I needed to marry someone. 
else not you. <laughs> Fine. I mean, I'll never get over it. Oh, wait, I just did. <laughs> I just remembered I don't care. So, uh, fuck a doodle doo, Rex. Fuck a doodle doo. Guess what? It's time for fuck a doodle doo. We have new patrons. We, yeah, we got three new patrons in short succession. These poor unsuspecting doodle doos. <laughs> what have they gotten themselves into? Well, I'll tell you what they've gotten themselves into. Giving us money every month and having their names read aloud on the air. Because they are now executive doodle doos. If you're going to be a doodle doo, that's the kind of fucking doodle doo to fucking be. They are Callista, Ali Bonarigo, Nathan Lancey, Kristen, Dulcinea, Rachel Gregory, Rachel Doodle Doo. She knows what's up. D. Sharinghausen, Clubby Seal, Sandra Craig, Jay Sommer, Christina, Catherine Parkinson, Karen Moon, Chris V. Man. Only got three out of my five references. Inconceivable! Scarlet Choi, Janella Lindauer, bad at changing their name heaps. Kefro Horse Dildo with BWB logo gnome. Father DeFinistrato, Matthew Indeber, Kelly MC, Jesse Rain, Alex from the Heart, and Carrie fucking Phillips. Thank you so much. Without you, this show literally is not possible. That is correct. Man, that list is getting long, and it's lovely. It's the way I like it. It's it's a good problem to have. Nice and long, yeah. and referencing horse dildos. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that I could be, you know, leave or take. That's how but, I like my coffee. Yeah. Referencing horse dildos? And long. You know how I like my coffee? The same way I like my women. Short and mean to you? Strong and adequately compensated for their efforts in my life. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and hey, hey, we have a new review. It's also way more feminist than my answer. Yes. We do have a new review. <laughs> we have a new review. Are you going to read it, Rex? I am going to read Rex it. Rex wants to read it. Oh, man. It's been a bit since we had a new review, and I'm so excited. I know, right? Uh, Five-star review from C.M. Sunnydale. Only five stars. I think well, it was way more than that, Rex. Uh, the title of this review is Five Sextillion Stars. Sextillion? And they actually put all all 21 zeros in there. Yeah. I had, to, I had to look it up and double check that it was sextillion. Woo, that's a lot of zeros. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the sexual reference was on purpose. I'm fairly certain it was. It feels like it because they added all the commas. From, into the, from into the little the, bit of things that they wrote about us, I'm yeah. fairly certain. Well, what they did write about us was... Best episode titles, best long-running jokes, their laughs make me laugh. If your humor leans towards punny and inappropriate, then you'll probably love them as much as I do. I watch the entire series of Buffy every year, and listening to these two talk about it makes me so happy. I've listened to several Buffy podcasts and love them all, but this one I keep coming back to. Thank you so much, CM Sunnydale. Fucking A right, CM Sunnydale. However, and I do need to make a slight correction to your title. It should have been six sextillion and nine <laughs> stars nice. because that would have been nice. Yeah. Noise! Um, I do want to mention that this is the first reviewer I've seen that actually mentions our ridiculous fucking episode titles. And oh, right. sometimes those are just on a whim, but sometimes we put a lot of effort into those titles. 
there's a lot of effort that's been put into a lot of those titles. Uh, there's also a lot of them that I pulled out of my ass at the last minute. Okay, probably the overwhelming majority, but <laughs> towards the beginning, we were putting in a lot of fucking effort. And my favorite part is, you'll never know which ones are which. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> because you know what? There's There's no sense. There's no logic. It's just... It's just whatever the joke is at the time. The lesson to be learned here, everybody, is don't try, ever. <laughs> it's a bad idea. You know, fun fact, anytime I do try, like with recording and, and this sort of thing, it usually comes out much worse. See, I told you. Everybody, you learn something new every day here on Ale with Angel and or Beer with Buffy. <laughs> um, so next order of business, uh, just real quick. Don't ever forget to review us on iTunes like uh, they did. CM, CM Sunnydale. CM Sunnydale. And hey, don't forget CM Sunnydale. If you give us an email or a message on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you can figure to get us a message, send us a screenshot of you editing your review and we will send you a free sticker. Honestly, I, I think we just need an address from you in a private message at this point. I believe you. Yeah. They've, they've proven enough that they wrote the review. Um, also... What's it's it? time to name a cat. We have to or, name a you know, cat. It's not a cat. It's a very plant-like cat. It was a cat, but then it became a plant. There's probably some cat DNA in this plant. Yes. The plant is living. Yes. The cat might not be if there ever was one involved in the process. We're not sure. <laughs> Our newest patron, Callista, sent in a message on Patreon to get uh, her money plant named... Uh, a money plant that has survived a cat attack. Uh, so, oh you know, my. that that associates it enough in my eyes for, you know, naming purposes, I think. Absolutely. You know what? That counts. And uh, Alex from the heart, we are definitely going to get around to naming your cat. I promise. Cats. Cats. Multiple. Yeah, cats, multiple. I stand corrected. But I'm also doing a podcast with you, so... I'm sorry, you're not as special anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but you're way more special because I'm doing a podcast with you. By the way, everybody, it's called Wubble of a Pod Pod. Check it out once we actually start releasing episodes, which we haven't yet. But we have recorded Soon. two. Soon. We have recorded two of them so far. And I'm looking forward to hearing those. And we are um, definitely declaring it our sister podcast. Uh, it's a good show. <laughs> yeah. All of the... Racial stereotypes, you can squeeze in there. Sure. Why sure. not? <laughs> Nothing racist about that whatsoever. So naming a plant, cat. Yeah. Uh, cat plant. Uh, what's? Give me your first name, Rex. Or all of them, I don't care. Uh, this one, I've just... It was the first It was the first name that popped into my head. Because given given our proclivities here on the, on the podcast and the fact that this is the first time that it, uh, a good pun of this nature has come up. I have no uh, idea what you're referring to. Go on. The first name I have for this plan is Keanu Leaves. <laughs> that one wins. We're done. <laughs> I have a second one that is also quite good. Okay, fine. What is it? The second one is Bill S... Planton Esquire. Ah, Planton or Plankton? Planton. Planton. That makes more sense than Plankton, but Plankton would have rolled better. Yeah. Okay. Definitely um, prefer Keanu Leaves. Yeah. Uh, that it hurts so good. <laughs> uh, 
So my first one, and these don't even need <laughs> explanations. These are just bad fucking puns. My first one is Buck Doherty. <laughs> Second one, Penny Leafingston. <laughs> Third one, Billingsworth Cobblepot. <laughs> I actually like that one. <laughs> uh, fourth one, Wadsworth Cumber, I'm a Money Plant. <laughs> Okay, that that one is uh, definitely not so much laughing with, but at. It feels a little derivative, I think. Which Maybe is, a little too on the nose. Which is why it might be the best. Uh, say that one more, one more time. Wadsworth Cumber, I'm a money plant. You know, it makes you think you're going to say Cumberbatch or um, some kind of other plant. Yeah. Uh, or... Or money pun, and then you don't. <laughs> uh, I, I gotta go with Keanu Leaves. I'm very happy with it. We don't, we don't get to uh, invoke the name of our Lord and Savior often enough. In the form of a plant. Yes. <laughs> and now we can. <laughs> yes. So why wouldn't we? So there there you go, Callista. There, there is our final vote for your new plant's name, Keanu Leaves. Keanu Leaves. <laughs> Um, reefs be with you? Reefers be with you? I don't know. Um, quick, think of a plant pun. Leaves be with you, Joe. Leaves Josh. be with you. Uh, all right. A quick shout out to Alex from the Heart again, real quick, because they did leave a voicemail that we're not going to play and do properly, but uh, they brought up one excellent point. We wondered a while back why in the fuck everybody's name in at Wolfram and Hart had the initials L and M. Yeah. Lindsay McDonald, Lila Morgan, whatever that other fucking guy's name was who died like half yeah. a season ago. Who remembers him? Who cares? But anyway, LM, duh, it's so obvious now. Lucifer Morningstar. Yeah, and I have looked this up and dug much deeper into this. There is nothing official that this was the plan, but it is a very solidly believed within the fandom's fan theory. Okay, so it's definitely none of us are the first people to think of it. Uh, Without a doubt, we are not the first ones to think of it, and it is pretty solidly accepted that this is why. Yeah, and it's very easy to understand why that's so quick and easy to accept. Yeah. It makes perfect fucking sense. They're evil. Get They're it? evil. Evil. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. It's time for the mom synopsis. Joshua. What are you doing, Joshua? Why are you gluing seashells to a bikini? I wanted to hear the ocean, goddammit. Don't judge me. That makes more sense than I thought it would, Joshua. <laughs> Can you make one for me? No. <laughs> for fuck's sake. Now, once I go through the portal back to my homeland, I'll never have to deal with being degraded by you or my shitty bosses ever again. What about me, Joshua? It's not my fault you brought shame upon our clan. Oh, sure. I'm the coward. The big fat coward. Just because I don't want to joust someone that I kind of happen to agree with. It doesn't make you not a coward, dear. Solve your problems with a sword, not a tissue, you big fat coward. 
I'm never coming home again. I'm going to go throw myself into the sacrificial canyons of Trelinsk. <laughs> I like that that was basically a rewrite. Just like a solid rewrite of an old one. Was it? Kinda, yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice. (laughs) (laughs) History repeats itself. What are you going to do? Okay, all right, enough of that. So now that I'm finally out of this that shit dimension for good, and I happened to bring all of my copies of Angel and Buffy the Vampire Slayer with me so that I can still review them for you, let's talk about... that let's talk about that that'll get my mind off things <laughs> yeah like uh like how cordelia had a vision about a woman getting sucked into a portal at a library and not being seen again for five years because they didn't know she was sucked into a portal because she was reading some weird foreign language book apparently out loud which caused her to get sucked into a portal in related news a draken demon also came through a portal at Caritas while the host was singing on stage. And they needed to go kill it because it's dangerous. It's a draken demon. That's what you do. When Cordelia finds the book from her vision, she brings Landokmar of the Deathwalk clan into our dimension via a portal completely on accident. Turns out he's the host's cousin. Wow, small multiverse, huh? He helps them hunt down the draken and they send a poisoned, wounded Landokmar back home to the same way the Draken came into this one. A portal at Caritas. But, oh noes! Cordelia got sucked into it and ends up in a strange world with two sons. The end, and to be continued. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. As soon as the sun goes down, down, down. Okay, so we open up on a fancy restaurant. I, I I fucking love what they did here. Sitting at the table, uh, it's a four top, hmm. and sitting at this table is uh, Gunn, Wesley, and Cordelia. Looking ever so slightly out of their element in hmm. this fancy restaurant, uh, but they're having dinner, and it turns out they're celebrating that Cordelia got a gig doing a commercial, a national commercial, but the thing they do that I thought was really cool is they're sitting there talking for a good part of the scene, you just see the three of them sitting there and then you hear angels start talking and then the camera pans to the side and we stop looking at the mirror and then we're looking at the table and angel is sitting there. Oh, okay. I and didn't realize yeah. that was what they did. Yeah. I, I really liked that they did that, but cause they're, they're sitting there talking and then angel chimes in with talking about how, yeah, it's public. There's a lot of people around night. You know, there's, mirrors for reflections and things of that nature and mm-hmm. he's a bit uneasy in a very public place which you know that's fair he's to a me. bit of an introvert yeah what are you gonna do he's also complaining about how expensive things are and he's paying for cordelia and he remembers that it he remembers when it only cost a couple of bob for a Hotel, a bottle of wine, and a tavern. Hold on, Th- this was this was one of my quotes of the day. Oh, by all means. Then. Um, partly because I thought it was humorous in the moment, but also I liked the delivery of it because halfway through this line, um, he actually gives a bit of Irish accent. Oh, did he try? Yeah. Oh. No, it actually it actually came out came off really well. Okay. Uh, because it 
the way it came off was kind of like he was repeating a saying from the old days and it kind of the accent kind of slipped in there just mm-hmm. because but the line is I'm not cheap I'm just old I remember when a few bob got you a good meal a bottle and a tavern wench hmm. and yeah halfway through the line he kind of slips into a little bit of Irish accent and I liked it I remember good. when a couple of bob got you a, a meal a bottle and and a tavern wench. Yeah, that was better than him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because <laughs> he sucks at it. It's amazing how somebody can be such a good actor without being able to do accents or sing. And yet he still has so much control over his normal voice inflection, at least. Right. It's impressive. I don't get it. I think it's because his major strength with acting is a lot more on the physical side in facial expression. Yeah, probably. And he's probably well-adjusted <laughs> and confident. Yeah. He strikes me as someone who might be well-adjusted. Yeah. Just being able to do accents does not make you a good actor. No. no. Um, it makes uh, doing radio or podcasts work out fairly well, though. So yeah, I imagine are. so. Yeah. Somebody told me that one time. The meal that they're talking about the price price of by mm-hmm. the way is $19 sashimi mm-hmm. and I I checked with inflation that would be $32 today okay I'm glad you checked for inflation because I was thinking that doesn't sound like that much but it was 20 years ago or 18. but here's the thing $32 for a fancy celebratory meal right still that seems kind of low to me yeah like for an for a fancy meal in LA yeah. No wonder it makes her sick. <laughs> like <laughs> he's just a cheap bastard. Or maybe, you know, they none of them really know the good places to go. They're not rich. Yeah. I mean, everywhere in LA should have good seafood. They're on the coast, right? right? Yeah, you'd think. Yeah. Uh no, do they have do they have good seafood in LA? I don't fucking know. I've never been there. We have we have listeners in LA. Let us know if they have good seafood in LA. Yeah, I'm super curious about that. Uh, I have heard that uh, fish tacos you can get in LA are fucking amazing. So Cordy feels guilty for leaving them alone to do the commercial, but they're not worried. They only need to contact Angel's informant who will lead them to a big bloated thingy from a previous vision that uh, I think it's called a... Um, a hurricane or something. It is... Apparently I didn't write it down in this scene. I wrote it down somewhere. Hacklar. Hacklar, that's the one. Hacklar uh, demon. But she describes it as a big bloated demon from a... Uh, and it's uh, from a previous vision that Cordy apparently had that we're not privy to. Yes. Gun, Wes and Angel, um, or the manly men, as Wesley puts it, will kill it to death, quote unquote. And Angel harasses an old lady with an expensive <laughs> shawl because he thinks she's a witch. A Vakhtar witch. She's a witch. But I better. as he gets close, he realizes that, no, that it just looks very similar. No, it's just a $1,000 shawl, as Cordy puts out. Yeah. Uh, points out. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, same difference. Whatever. Eat the rich. I'd eat the rich before I eat a witch. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> that's a tramp stamp right there. That, that, that's a good bumper sticker. Damn right it is. Eat the rich before you eat the witch. Did I say it right? I don't know. It's crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 
So they think Cordy's having a vision about a cow because she says moo, but then finishes with move and vomits all of her sashimi all over the floor. Was it sashimi or sashimi? Sashimi. Ah, who gives a shit? And then pulls the tablecloth down with her as she falls, making a big scene. Ah, they're a bunch of cunts anyway. Mind your own business. Right before this, Gunn gets a little jab in because, you know, basically Angel's like wanting to lie low and, you know, but he keep he's also making a scene and then Cordy makes a bigger scene. It's like, yeah, that didn't go well. Yeah, it's fine. Everybody's so wrapped up in themselves anyway. Yeah. The opening sequence. Meow, 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 meow. Cut to <laughs> Wesley's office at the Hyperion. Yeah, he's on the phone with his mom. I thought it was his... No, it was definitely no, his dad. No, on the phone with his mom first and then switches over to dad. Oh. He has a few sentences where he's talking to his mom. Mm. And then his mom puts his dad on the phone. And then, you know, he's wishing his dad a happy birthday. And tells his dad about his new job and everything. It goes splendid. It's just splendid. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fantastic. That's... Never heard a healthier father-son conversation in my <laughs> life. <laughs> Except for the part where his dad's clearly the kind of person who drowns others in their negativity and bring yeah. you down because they're miserable. Yeah, because he mentions the time that Wesley got fired from the council. Right. Yeah, nothing's ever good enough for him. I, I can't imagine why Wesley is still even speaking to him or on speaking terms at all. Cut that shit off. He seems toxic as fuck. It, it, it can be really hard to, to cut people off like that. I know. But I'm judging from the backseat. Don't mind me. So And 20 years in the, in the future. That is correct. Uh, with hindsight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gunn enters and wonders who Wesley's talking to. And he's like, oh, my father. Ah, English senior, which I am simultaneously offended on Wesley's behalf for. But also, that's fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I thought it was fine. It's fine. They're, it, they're, they're friends. They're pals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, damn right. Uh, so apparently his dad sends regards from Tinseltown, which I'm not sure what that means. But regards it sounds... to Tinseltown. Ah, they're in Tinseltown. to Tinseltown. So yes. I'm still not sure what that means, but it sounds very condescending. I have a feeling that his father didn't actually say anything of the of the sort. Hmm. I mean, Tinseltown is just a nickname for Hollywood in L.A. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah. That makes more sense then. <laughs> Give my regards to Tinseltown. We're done. And we're on a film set <laughs> that looks like the beach. Yeah. Ooh, this is a good little moment, I thought. It's all right. Because um, Angel, for some reason, is on set. And he's, he's too pretty to not get past security on right. a film set. I mean, he also has celerity and all that. All that. And can, like, you know, climb buildings and shit. So, sure. You know. He's a fucking ninja. And yeah. he's Batman. And he's a vampire. So he... He walks onto set and he notices the set. And I love this little bit they did because he's like walking towards set and there's this woman in a bikini mm -hmm. like on set. Model slash actress. Yeah. And she she like looks at him and she smiles. Her face just lights up as and he approaches her. She She's like, oh, you're going to talk to me and you're a pretty man. Mm -hmm. But he just walks right by her. Either that or she suspects that he's somebody of importance right. on the set. And wants to make a good impression. Yeah. And like we, we know that he's pulled that thing where you just, you know, you see him, you, you walk in like you own the place and then, you know, people react to you that way. Exactly. But no, he walks past her onto the beach set 
And he's kind of looking in awe because he hasn't been on a beach in a long time. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, looks up at the lights and kind of basks in the very hard air quotes sun. In the non-lethal sunlight yes. illusion. And I would too if I were him. Oh, God, yes. At- must have been really nice for him. Yeah. I had a very similar experience when I was designing Castaway Kirk, uh, a prologue demo video game that I made for everybody else's information. Obviously, Rex knows exactly what I'm yes. talking about. So there was a point in the game where I had finished texturing everything and I added the sea breeze sound effects and water moving animation. And I drop into the game and I walk over to the bow of the ship and I'm looking off into the distance at the island, and I just felt completely immersed in it, as if I could smell the fucking beach, and it was so goddamn relaxing. I think I had been inside too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like In it. fact, I guarantee it, because I was designing a video game. And it was probably winter, knowing where we live. A good portion of it. It <laughs> took a year to make the fucking thing. Yeah. So... Yeah, Cordy comes up to him and rightfully says, what the hell are you doing here? He cheekily responds, getting a tan, not Mm. bursting into flames. (laughs) Oh, what an asshole. No, no, not an asshole. Not compared to the asshole who enters scene next. That's true. So uh, he's there to ask her about the Hacklar demon, but then the director shows up. Yeah. He makes her take off her robe right in front of Angel, which is a little awkward. Um, but I mean, he just thinks that Angel's her boyfriend, and in most cases, he probably would have been right. Or I mean, I why didn't he assume that he was her manager or who knows uh, somebody else acting related? And just he went straight to boyfriend. This guy really is a prick. I have a couple of questions here, kind of hypothetical questions. How many times have you seen Hollywood in movies and TV? portrayed as anything but this scene pretty much never does that strike you as interesting that in the media that they make in these places Mm -hmm. they portray these places this way uh that is very interesting like and my first thought once i saw that he was on a film set i was like and i bet they'd be able to make it very accurately look like a film set since they spend a lot of time on film sets yeah but it like the depiction of this director is heavy-duty sexist and doesn't give a shit. He's the big swinging dick of the room. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of thing that makes me go, oh, God, I would never want to be in that business. And I I only have to think of, like, with all the shit that, always co- that keeps coming out year after year about all these directors who are terrible fucking people and showrunners who are terrible fucking people. And it's like, yet they themselves choose to portray it this way. Yeah. And it's like... It's a bit on the nose to me. I'm sure there's a minority of people that don't suck. And also I people mean, just write what they know. I mean, I would postulate that it's probably a majority that don't suck. It's just, you know, one bad apple spoils the bunch and you get a handful of the men who run the business and then they hire the men who run the films and they hire the it next is, people down the line. It is always and... the most terrible people that seem to work their way up the ladder the quickest. Exactly. Yeah. And so just, I, I don't know. It just the whole idea that Hollywood is always portrayed this way in film and TV. It's a snake eating its own tail. It's yeah. weird. Absolutely. I don't want to share my feelings. I don't want to open up. I want to find the 
guy that killed Tina, and I'm gonna look him in the eye. Then what? Then I'm gonna share my feelings. Uh, but he makes her take off her robe, revealing, in my opinion, the stupidest looking seashell bikini I've ever seen. Yeah. I've seen better macaroni art from kindergarten. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> God damn. She is fucking gorgeous. Charisma Carpenter has got uh, it going on. And she's still gorgeous to this day. Yeah. Like, but damn. I can't imagine the guts, the fucking guts to be like, you know what? Yes, I will be in a very skimpy bikini on TV and record it forever. Thank you. <laughs> that no, I don't think I would want to do that. Well, I think she did model work before. Oh, did she before this? That makes sense then. At the very least, I know there's pictures of her in bikinis. One that she shared on her own uh, Twitter account. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I do recall that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it takes a lot of confidence. I yeah. the closest I've ever come to being any anywhere near that amount of naked in front of people was. I was wearing an A shirt or a wife beater, as they are called, a tank top. Uh, yeah, um, on stage, and boy, I really wish they'd let me wear a, a jacket over it. Turns out, I found out after the production, I could have easily gotten away with just putting on my fucking jacket for the re uh, my other costume piece and just wearing it for that scene. Nobody would have told me not to. Huh. Yeah, it was. Stupid. Yeah, that was for Tommy, wasn't it? Tommy. Yeah. yeah. I recall that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the director is super sexist. Okay. And Cordy's just kind of taking it, not reacting to it whatsoever. But Angel decides he's going to defend her honor, uh, steps up to the director, does not have any fucking ability to threaten the director in this environment. Because, you know, as far as that director is concerned, he's the big swinging dick here. You know, the, the one that blew me away the hardest was when the director said she looks like a refugee from an abused women's shelter. Right. She did not have any circles under her eyes. No, she did not. And then she's like, ah, oh, but I had food poisoning. And he's like, oh, right. Like you eat like Jesus. You want them skinny, but then you're going to shame them for how they get skinny. Fuck you. But I know there's fuck faces out there that do that. Oddly, from a weird, horrible, sexist standpoint, him assuming she doesn't eat is kind of a compliment. Because she absolutely does. The character, anyway. Yeah. And, like... No idea about Charisma Carpenter's eating habits. And But, like, she eats. But she looks great. Yeah. So, like, that's winning on, on from, the, from that standpoint. Yeah. I mean... It's. It definitely was not meant as a compliment. No, I mean it's. And that's no better than um, cat calling someone at, well, right. at that point. And either way, um, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. Either way, the the director uh, decides. You know what? Fuck you, Angel. I'll, I'll have security toss your ass out of here. And the director leaves to go do more director directory stuff bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and then this is when Cordy jumps down Angel's throat because, like, why the fuck are you here? Don't fuck up my career. Get the fuck out of here. She's been saying, what the hell are you doing here this whole time? And now yeah. she's directly telling him to leave. And he's just not. And I'm like, dude, take a fucking hint. Ask your question already and yeah. get out. 
His question, which pointedly does not get answered, is whether the Hecklar demon was eating bodies whole or just eating livers. Because apparently those are two different types and they have different hunting grounds. I mean, that seems like need to know information. It is. But apparently it's not because it doesn't matter in the end that Cordy never answers the fucking question. (laughs) Right? Because she just looks at him... Long pause and then walks off. I hate my life. Yeah. Um, if this were an anime, this is where Cordy's soul would have left her body. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's just completely lost the will to live. Been there, done that. Yeah. Had one of those moments just the other day. Sometimes you just get overwhelmed and go, fuck, I hate my fucking life. Cut to the Hyperion. Yeah, we cut back to the hotel where Gunn and Wesley are in the lobby kind of waiting for Angel to show up. There's some depressing music. Wesley looks super depressed as he's pacing around. Everyone's having a shitty time this episode. Yeah. I mean, Gunn seems fine for now. He definitely right. <laughs> doesn't have a good time with this episode, though. Yeah, there, there's nobody has, nobody has a good time for this Angel's episode. Angel's kind of breaking even. Yeah, actually. He uh, seems to be having the most fun this episode. <laughs> He had, a, he had a nice moment with the beach set, but then he yeah. really fucked things up with Cordy again. He was definitely being not the life of the party at the restaurant. Right. Anyway, Gunn asks Wesley uh, for the specs, the specifications on the Hacklar demon, and gets way more information than he wanted. Yeah. Weight, <laughs> sleep, hours, feeding, and mating habits, which happen to kind of be the same thing. Wesley outright just, like, he's reciting the encyclopedia entry of uh, Hecklar Demon. Yeah, very quickly. It's impressive, it honestly. It is impressive. It's very impressive. But then Gunn is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just want to know how to kill it. And then I'm like, why ask for the specs then? Yeah, like, You know who you're to talking to. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants to know how to kill it. Standard hack and slash. I'm like, I mean, it could help you know how to kill it if you know how it lives. Yeah, kind of. That fits to me. And then enter Rondell and George from Gun's old crew. Yeah, these fucking guys. Um, they arrive. They're there literally just to be like, hey, Gun, we want your truck. Yeah. And Gun keeps expecting them to ask for his personal expertise and personal help as a helping hand, but it doesn't happen. He tries to agree to go with them, uh, but then. Uh, Angel enters and happens to know where the Hacklar demon is right now. So it's time to go do that. And he has to bail on George and Rondell. And they are not happy that he can't help them on extremely short notice because his main obligation calls for him, even though he tries his hardest to be accommodating and practically gives them an exact time that he's going to be available. Yeah. And tells them explicitly to wait for him. And they're like, yeah, whatever. So I say fuck him. Who needs him? I'm a little torn on this because, like, Gunn isn't an idiot. He knows what he's been doing. He knows that he hasn't been there for his crew. Yeah. Like, he he should be smart enough to know that they're not going to be just waiting around for him. Yeah, he knows them better than that. Yeah. they Obviously, they're very self-sufficient sort of individuals, you mm-hmm. know, and the group itself is a self-sufficient group of people. So like they're not if somebody walks on them they're going they're not going to, you know, whine about it. They're going to fucking, you know, knuckle down and get to work. Mm-hmm. So like and for fuck's sake, that's what gun taught them to do. 
So what's his fucking problem? And that's kind of a testament to how important he was to that crew that they are coming to him like this. Yeah, honestly. Uh, they're clearly too proud for that. Well, and then, you know, they just... They legitimately need his truck because of the way it's outfitted. Right. Specifically for the, the type of trap they're going to do. So, Which, again, makes me wonder, why in the hell he left in the first place? And it really, it feels too little too late and shoehorned in that they're trying to come up with this backstory of, oh, the, the, that group is still going and they yeah. miss him. Yeah. It's like, okay, but that doesn't explain why he left for Angel. It what, for been... the money? It would have been much better. I This is what I wish had happened. I wish that they brought Gunn in the same, the exact way they did. And they don't really show us anything. But then later on, after he's been with Angel Investigations for a while, something happens that everyone's like, Hey, Gunn, what is it that happened with your crew? And then we find out that something bad had happened that made him walk away from it or something like that. And then it would have been a then, really dramatic kind of episode revolving around Gunn, like revealing this bad thing that he's been just carrying sure, with him have a the whole last episode couple of about Exactly. It. Yeah, why not? And I think that I think that would have been better for the character. I agree. I don't think they did it justice, or at least they haven't so far. And I, if, if I recall, they don't really ever. Yeah. But there's, I obviously I don't recall much, and that's half the premise of this show. Ahoy! So they can tell Angel's kind of harried about something. Yeah. And he's like, uh, it's Cordelia, and he sputters some shit out about this big L.A. director who thinks he owns the planet. How could Cordelia possibly want to be an actress? It's like being a slave. Who would ever want to be in that world? She never takes shit from anyone. And she was wearing this flimsy two-piece that covers... Nothing. I did. I thought I did find it a little bit funny that they all just kind of pause at that. They take a moment to visualize this. <laughs> I mean, not on purpose, but how can you not? Yeah. After a couple of beats, Wesley, appalling, gun, disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Angel, right. And he's just, he's holding what was it? An axe? Yeah. Or a, a maul or something? And he's like, right. And he's just twisting it really hard <laughs> trying i don't know if he's trying not to think about it or if he's just caught in the throes of realizing that she's an attractive young lady yeah i'll bet <laughs> anyway and he does have a thing for you know living women who are far too young for him true true <laughs> There's proof of this. Yes. <laughs> but they all decide that they should be off killing something instead, and yes. away they go. I was hoping for some demon fighting tonight, but I wound up with a delivery job instead. If I come back here on the end of a spatula, I'm expecting some serious workman's comp. I'm just messing with y'all. From there we go to... Caritas! We're Lorne... Or sorry, the, the host. host. The host is on stage singing his heart out, some Stevie Wonder. Rocking the fuck out to very superstitious. And a portal opens up behind him. And I was very pleased that they chose a section of the song for him to be singing that isn't one you normally hear. Oh, yeah? It. I think I think it's this, 
later in the ha- song, but it's it's not the first verse. It's not the main verse that people recognize off the top of their head. Hmm. It's a bit later in the song, and I just kind of like that because, you know, it's novel. Hmm. Yeah, that is kind of novel. You know what else is novel? A giant dragon demon? Uh, well, uh, how this portal opens up, and then a very polite turret steps out and tries to murder him. <laughs> And then an evil overlord AI gives him a cube to be his faithful companion and then forces him to put it to death. Yeah. Oh, I'm confusing this with the plot of Portal, which didn't come out for another six years. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Think about it that way, huh? (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm old. (laughs) Not as old as Angel. Uh, Yeah. Or David Boreanaz for that matter. (laughs) So there's that. Yeah, I'm at least that. <sighs> well, so no, but it's actually uh, some fugly fucking dog demon ogre looking thing. And it it looks awfully menacing. And Yeah, just, and it's got them longer than it should have arms. Yeah, there goes the neighborhood. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, screams at some people and knocks some people over, knocks a table over and runs out. It sure does. It was so rude. Very rude. Very rude. (laughs) And it interrupted such a good song. Yeah, Lauren was having such... I mean, the host was having such a good time. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Somebody asked us in a text just the other day. They were listening to our Jonathan episode and they were like, (laughs) man, you guys, how did you so seamlessly pull off that joke? The whole episode, you guys got me fucking reeling over here. And I'm like, yeah, we didn't. We absolutely did not. It's called editing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But more importantly, like we were, we did that on a whim. Yeah, and that we started like, that it was, on a whim. Yeah, that was totally um, improvised. Yeah, but that was—I was thinking. I was actually <laughs> just thinking about that episode the other day. It was worth it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so he demon bro breaks some shit, knocks over some patrons, runs up the stairs. Uh, the host is a little bit rattled. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's not happy. Uh, he's, not he's, he's not being very honest with himself or anybody else. He's like, it's all right. Everything's fine. Nothing to worry about. All part of the show. I'm like, come on. You're the one that always makes people see the truth. Yeah. Come on. Uh, cut back to this commercial set uh, where they're actually doing shoots. And where douche kebab is telling yeah. Cordy to bend over farther because she's in the other guy's light. But like if she's bending over him further isn't she going to be more, more in, his, in light? his light yeah well uh and he comes clean only moments later that he just wants her to show her cleavage and say the line and stop wasting everybody's time and i'm like why were you trying to say that she was in the light before yeah you're clearly not nice enough right for that yeah we're not that would have just been like, honey, we need to see your fucking cleavage more because it's the only thing we like about you or something like and that. And I would guarantee that the costumers who put her in that bikini would know what she's supposed to be doing on set and would have, and would have taped that shit they'd in. They'd have glued that shit in. Yeah. Like, there's no way. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, it's fiction. Yeah, it's totally fiction. This couldn't (laughs) possibly be based on any real people involved with this show at all, I'm sure. Whatsoever. 
Anyway, Cordy is mortified at the level yeah. of objectification, and it's gross. Cut to the Hyperion. Yep, uh, where Wesley and Angel have returned. Apparently, Gunn went off to help his buddies. They return to find that Cordy is sad and a little bit upset, but not too sad or upset to jump down Angel's throat hardcore. That's my Cordelia. Yeah. Because you know what? They were right. When does she ever take crap from anyone? Mm-hmm. Because her just kowtowing to a director does not fit the character to me at all. And Angel's phrasing was pretty shitty. He was like, yeah, if I was out of line earlier, I'm really sorry. And she's like, if you were out of line. Yeah. If you're comfortable with your use of the word if here, are you? <laughs> that was a quote of the day. Yeah, that's a very good line. And then he apologizes slightly better. I forget exactly what he said. Something about, I'm sorry for embarrassing you. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Cordy goes all, woe is me, for a few minutes. And she's like, no, I embarrassed myself. It was terrible something or rather, blah. Um, she really didn't hit the nail on the head as much as I wanted. I really wanted her to go off and be like, well, that's just horrible. And I'm yeah. never doing that again. And have a little more self-confidence and not be so sad. But she has a right to be sad. You know, it's kind of her dream crumbling in front of her um, or realizing that she can still have her dream, but she's going to have to put up with this kind of shit. Yeah. For a long time, at least. Well, um, and actually, this is the turning point in the character. She never does anything acting wise again that for the rest of the season me. or rest of the series. Um, this, but, is, this was her last attempt at having that acting career. Huh. And from here on out, we get Cordy, who's dedicated to the cause. Well, that'll... Uh, <clears throat> That kind of an experience will beat it out of you. Oh, yeah. I probably would be done after that shit, too. Yeah. Especially when you're still burdened with visions. Right. Yeah. Like, Jesus. So she asks where Gunn is, and they tell her that he went off to do some vampire staking business after the big fight. Yep. And Cordy asks, how was the big fight? <laughs> All big and fighty? <laughs> Yes. I think this displays just how tapped out their Buffy speak and quirky lines are getting. Yeah, a little bit. I'm like, a little bit. not trying too hard It anymore. also doesn't doesn't come out as well in this environment yeah. as it does in Buffy. You know, maybe they did it on purpose because she kind of had that air of, I'm still too sad to be clever. Yeah. Hmm. But anyway, apparently they got to the Hacklar demon. Uh, just before it was about to eat a bunch of power walkers, uh, which brings me to a, a quote of the day. Fucking pedestrians. <laughs> this brings me to a quote of the day. Angel's like, oh, it was horrible. And Cordy's like, I know. I saw it in my vision. It's like, oh, no. He goes, no, not the hacklar. The power walkers. I mean, walking I get, but power walking? Why not just run for a shorter time? Weird. Because <laughs> it's bad for their <laughs> knees. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Not that you'd know, because you're a vampire. Yeah. His you know, knees are perfect. Just fine. Just like the day you were born. I tell you what, though. I I wish I had some vampire knees. I rode 20 miles yesterday, and oh. my body just is so angry with Don't me. Don't get me started. Dude, my fucking shoulder's been killing me for two years. Yeah, we're two years shy of 40, man. Uh, no. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. That's excellent. You're welcome. So, a large glass jug filled with green sugar water and wearing a leisure suit shatters the door jam and flattens the front door and goes, Oh, yeah! <laughs> Ecto Cooler's 80s throwback! <laughs> you know, 
but it's not Slimer. It's actually the host. The host. And Angel was next on his Rolodex of champions. He adamantly wants Angel to kill the Draken demon. Draken. It's the Draken demon. Draken, whatever. <laughs> but like he's he's like, oh, you you don't you don't know anything about it. You won't be able to find it in any of your books, but you really need to kill it. And uh, they basically heckle him for the fact that after minimal questioning, he admits that the the Draken Demon didn't actually do a whole lot of damage to no, his bar. He really didn't. And it didn't even hurt anybody. It's like, hmm, Lauren, why, why do you want it dead so badly? But then Cordelia has a vision. Oh, yes. right. Well, we find out more about why he wants it dead so badly yes. later. Yeah. He knows what it is and where it's from. Anyway, Cordelia has a vision. Whoop-de-doo! Boy, they sure are falling back hard on this plot device that they nearly abandoned for over half a season all of a sudden. Hey, they I actually I very much appreciate that they're falling back on this plot device because they put so much fucking importance and backing on the story to it. And when they abandon it, it felt episodes felt more pointless. Yeah, it's almost like when they realized that they weren't getting anywhere with the whole Darla situation, and then Drusilla, Kate, and Lindsay all totally fucked off, they had to make a little trip down to the corner store called the Plot Hole Emporium. <laughs> Welcome to the Plot Hole Emporium. Have you ever gotten yourself balls deep into a spinoff that's inexplicably gaining traction, but realized you completely fucked up every attempt you've made at having an engaging season arc up to this point, and have to start almost completely over? Maybe it's not all that bad. Maybe you've just <laughs> shut out the most useless 21 minutes of screen time that ever happened. Maybe you did it because you hate yourself and your entire viewing audience. Well, don't you fret. Try out our new retroactive fallback overuse plot device fittings. Take your viewers completely off their guard and give them a vague directionless sense of sadness with our full main character depression package. <laughs> Trick them into thinking they've felt something by enhancing the bad emotions that push them into being hopeless couch potatoes in the first place. Not enough? Of course it's not. Scrape the bottom of the barrel and you'll find the second most unoriginal trope next to amnesia. Your main character has visions. Let omniscient mysterious predilections completely steer your plot around all willy-nilly-like. None will be the wiser that they've simply gone in circles for two whole seasons. <laughs> then flesh out your emptiness and your failed bag of wannabe confused villains by briefly bringing back some old allies who are just huge dicks now and finish it off with a flourish of adding a new character from a different dimension to apologize for ruining everything in this dimension. Oop, sorry, no spoilers now. Even the plot hole emporium doesn't go that low. Would you avoid finding out if you let us clean up the plots around your stinky hole? Wow. There's a lot there. Yeah. That's right. Damn. Down here at the Plot Hole Emporium, we have everything. <laughs> and it's all down below. <laughs> it's quite stinky, you see. Quite Oh my god. <sighs> I'm glad you still found that funny, even though it kind of completely contradicted everything you just said. <laughs> I mean, it's still fucking hilarious. I need to breathe for a moment. No, you don't. What do you need to <clears throat> breathe for? Breathing is ridiculous. <sighs> 
I can hold a note for a long time. <laughs> Actually, I can hold a note forever. But eventually, that's just noise. It's the change we're listening for. The note coming after and the one after that. That's what makes it music. So... Where were we? Um, yes. Uh, Cordy sees a librarian at the public library. Uh, in her vision and... Sees Fred! <laughs> yes. Specifically, Winifred Burkle. Yes. And a portal opening next to her. Not that we know who she is yet. Right. And it's just like the one that the host described happening at Caritas. And they fuck off to find it. And he's he's not very pleased about it. He's like, well, but why are we going there? Well, and they expect him to come with them. And he does not seem amused at this prospect. No. So... I mean, he's... The whole bit here... like. Now that I've seen the episode, yeah, I get why he's acting weird. But it, it was really throwing me off. Cut to Gun's old hideout. Yeah. He arrives at his uh, crew's hideout uh, and finds out that George has been bit and killed by vamps. <laughs> we had the same disagreement last time. Uh, I looked it up. My stuff The says one who is dead is George. All right. I double checked it. Okay, fine. I'm a hundred percent positive. That you know what? Even if you're wrong, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. So George is laid out on a couch with bite marks on his neck. Yep. They don't know if he was forced to drink or not. Um, so they assumed that he wasn't dead, but it makes more sense that he is dead now. Yeah. Poor George. Yeah. Poor George. <laughs> they didn't make him drink. <laughs> they didn't make me drink, Jerry. <laughs> I thought you were dead. Well, I'm awake now. George is getting awake. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, man. That reminds me of a thing that I have to tell you about. I mean, you already later. sent me the reference. Oh, did I send you that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much deeper than oh. those ones I sent you. But that is a conversation I'm not having on the podcast. Fair enough. Good plan. Cut to the library. Yes. Uh, where Lauren's... Com- <laughs> I like the, the host. Yeah, sorry. The host is complaining that he and Angel always end up in libraries. Right. And I mean, it's only twice, but still. Yeah. Hmm. Makes you think, doesn't it? <laughs> Caitlin actually sent me a meme of this. It's from a cartoon with a platypus. I'm brain farting on the name. Perry the Platypus? Yeah, Perry the Platypus. And it's a, a screenshot from that, I guess. One character says to another one, uh, if I if I had a nickel for every time I blank, I'd have two nickels. And <laughs> it was a couple of different ones edited for different things. But the then the reply to that is, you know, that's not a lot of money, but it's still weird that it's happened twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite post that I've ever advised you to make on Facebook was... Yes. Num- number of times bitten on the ass by a rabbit. Not zero. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> the bunny that I currently live with, Stormy, uh, our vegan cat. As a I bunny. Like to call I heard buddy. Yeah. Well, he, he's kind of Edgar's buddy. Oh, that's fair. Like, they're, they're kind of friendly with each other now. Sure. Like, they were playing with each other the other day. Oh, my. Yeah. It was fantastic. Sounds like they need a room. <laughs> they oh, have no. a room. Oh. Oh. Oh, we're going to have some cabots. <laughs> I call the first one. They're m- both men. Or they're both male. And they're both neutered. Well, 
they're also both far enough off the evolutionary chain from one another that it's not yeah, possible. So I'm, anyway. I'm just saying, like, they're just there's as a likely. Lot, there's a lot of variables that there's definitely not going to be cabots. My point is, they're just as likely to have gay cabot uh, babies <laughs> as they are straight cabot babies. <laughs> it's not going to happen. That's how likely it is. <laughs> this is a pass or fail class. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. Oh, anyway, yeah. Shortly after the complaints of the host about how they never go out, they never do anything particularly fun except go to libraries all the time. Why not see Elton John? Why not? Which I'd totally be down to see Elton John. Right? Yeah. E- even with how old he is now. I don't fucking care. To catch That'd how be- he said and uh, watch it from the back row. If that's not subtly asking Angel out, I don't know what is. Right? Good point. Mm-hmm. Even though he talks about um, getting love from ladies later... He's so gay. No, he's bi. <laughs> okay. Well, he's sure. unquestionably bi. Definitely. Totally an angel, at least. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, really, who isn't? Sure. I think the only person who isn't is Spike. Hmm. But Spike is a bit more into himself. Well, Spike so just like, hasn't been hit on by Xander yet. Ah, uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they run into the librarian and who luckily makes the mistake of thinking that uh the host is there for as a costumed volunteer for the like reading group for the children's program yeah Yeah, because if he scares adults kids will love him that's how that works right yeah actually i think that's precisely how that That might actually be how that works i mean clowns do you know any adults that like clowns besides clowns I, i do well you're they're wrong and you're wrong i mean I like clowns because the one grandparent that I actually liked and got along with growing up was he did clown work. I'll allow it. (laughs) You're allowed to care about specific members of your family (laughs) who happen to be in clown work. I give a ton of credit to the host here, though, because he just fucking rolls with it. And then actually follows through with his lie. (laughs) Well, it just so happens that the reading room was also the foreign languages section or near it. No, it was, it had to have been near it or whatnot, but he actually went to go look at the reading room. And then uh, when they talked to the librarian about Fred was when he went to look at the reading room and then he met them back. Yeah. Yeah. He knows how to lie. And I I just really, this is one of those things where it's like, I would have loved to have an after the credits scene. Of Lauren at the reading room, reading to kids. That that have been great. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> so they start asking this librarian that about the librarian from Cordelia's vision, yeah. and they're describing this librarian who went missing suddenly five years ago. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, that was Fred. She was studying to be a physicist. And so they go and check out the foreign language section. And my quote of the day from the host is This reading room is to die for. Great stage, rocking chair, fabulous colors. I'm tempted to just show up in the morning with Harry Potter. (laughs) Yeah, I liked it. (laughs) But yes, you're absolutely right. We need that after scene, after the credits of him reading Harry Potter to the kids. That would have been perfect. I think so. I find it interesting that this is really the first instance where Cordy got a vision of the past. 
because usually they're visions of the present or, the or near, very near future. Yeah. But uh, that doesn't mean that there's any precedent for the powers that be not being able to show her the past. Yeah. It's just very interesting to me. And so she finds a book on the shelf that looks like the one from her vision. Yep. And if there's one goddamn thing we've learned from Buffy, specifically Xander, <laughs> it's don't read the Latin out loud. Hey, this isn't Latin. This is some weird foreign language, which I'm pretty 100% fucking positive that it is the language that the host's species knows. Absolutely. Because the way he's responding to it, he knows exactly what the fuck she's reading mm-hmm. and just doesn't have the the drive to out himself enough to be like, hey, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Because that I, what you're doing is dumb and it's going to cause think, problems. I think everybody that wasn't Cordelia wanted to stop her, but just yeah. didn't for some reason or another. But it's, it's a pretty interesting language that doesn't have vowels. <laughs> yeah wasn't there a line like geez i'll buy a vowel yeah something like that it yeah it was funny ha ah, game shows <laughs> anyway a portal opens the host screams cut to commercial and then a big green dude in armor jumps out of the portal and angel starts fighting him yes and uh, then him and the host recognize each other and it turns out this guy's name is landak landak mar of the Deathwalk clan, and he keeps calling the host Crevlorn Swath of the Deathwalk clan. And uh, uh, a quote of the day here after uh, they recognize each other, and Angel's like, You know him? The host says, Yeah, but just because I know his name doesn't mean you can't knock him unconscious. Please continue. Please continue. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a fun moment. And uh, so this is where we learn that. He goes by Lorne most of the time, but he tries not to use it because he's green. And apparently, yeah. Lorne Green is a person and is prolific enough at the time that it could cause concern for that for him. He, w- I guess he's a, an actor who did Bonanza or Bonanza, something? Bonanza, yeah. And even Angel is the only one here who even recognizes it. So it wasn't apparently that big of a deal. So he starts going by Lorne again, at least for the A-team here. And yeah. thank fucking christ we finally have a fucking name for we him. can finally legitimately just call him lorne not that we haven't been the entire time yeah. anyway but now we don't have to pretend to call him the host anymore yeah and it looks like like apparently landok is his cousin they come from the same world yeah the, this world and this language and all this weirdness and the demon is from Lawrence's home world which is why he's been acting so weird and he's like kill it kill it with fire and he claims Lorne is a coward and prayed that he had left to seek atonement for being a coward or some shit and would rather he was dead than alive and bringing shame to the yada yada something blah blah, blah. I guess he's a Klingon now Basically, they are. Yeah. They even have the... Because the, Landok has a bumpier kind of head oh, yeah. than, than he kind of does. does. You're right. And it's very... Like, you ju- just remove the horns. Yeah, they're just green. Change the skin color and the hair color. He's a Klingon. Green Klingons. Yeah. So, this fucking guy. It's like they picked the first fuck face they found at a Ren Fair who was already wearing his own full suit of armor <laughs> and told him to get into the makeup room and they no, no, pay no. him. They, they, went to, they went to a con and like, hey, <laughs> that dude's dressed as a Klingon. Hey, we're going to just spray paint you green and we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's the difference between a con and a Ren Fair, really? 
Do you want me to answer that or just let it go? <laughs> Both. <laughs> I don't know how to continue. Give with me that the one. quick answer. The quick answer is a Ren Fair is more about uh, shows oh, I... and entertainment, and a con is more about selling you stuff and getting signings from famous people. Ugh. There's your difference. Blah. I mean, there's. St- there's still shows and entertainment at cons, yeah, though. Yeah, but mostly it's about signings and, and merch. And they're still trying to sell you a lot of fucking merch at Ren Fairs, too. There's merch at both, but Ren Fairs are more of a focus in the shows and entertainment, and cons are more of a focus of the getting to meet people and you know meet and greets and Q&As and panels. And at Ren Fairs, you get turkey legs. Which I don't like. Yeah. Because they're you always overcooked. You don't like those... Lauren Jewell doesn't like those. I'd have eaten that damn turkey leg. And then you just threw it out (laughs) after your photo shoot. And you tell us no turkey legs were harmed in the process of this photo shoot. No, but there was a turkey harmed in the process of this photo shoot. (laughs) I mean, if there's only a leg. (laughs) By definition. (laughs) uh, This is not a vegan photo shoot. (laughs) It's not even vegetarian. Yeah. Anyway, they go off to slay the demon. Because apparently, Landok can track the demon. Yeah! You're not real. Or I'm not real. Someone up here isn't real, and I suspect it's you. So if you're not real, then that means that my head came off back there, and then I'm dead now. Dead. The Draken demon. Like, he clearly gets hard as soon as they bring up the Draken yeah. demon. He's like, Draken demons? I can I can hunt those. I don't give a shit if this guy's a, a, a fucking coward. Let's go. Did shame on his house? I don't care. Let's hunt. <laughs> you mean I get to kill something? Uh, I mean, if you don't have anything, any weapons dipped in Thromite, we're going to have a hard time. We're just going to have to hit it really hard, I guess. <laughs> the, whatever. It'll be fine. Um, so, you know, business as usual. And yeah. uh, they welcome his support and they all fuck off. Cut back to Gunn's crew, where Gunn is pissed that they didn't wait for him, but they got tired of waiting, and they're like, dude, we've been waiting for months. No, they haven't. Yeah, right. He literally gave them a very specific time and promise that was less than a fucking day. And I know what he meant. Yeah. But uh, that was bullshit. I call bullshit. Now, that dude is dead because you didn't wait for the proper backup. It's your own fucking fault. That's your own pride. Yeah, and during the scene, they're setting up a pyre for the body. Out of a bunch of chairs. Chairs and, uh, like, there was, uh, like, a headboard there and shit. And a lot of a lot of treated wood. And let me just tell you, you do not want to start a fire with a bunch of treated wood. Yeah. Especially because they're, like, they're in the city? There's no way. There's no way somebody doesn't call the fucking fire department on that shit. Yeah. Well, if you remember from the Thin Deadline episode, if they're in... The super most ghetto part of the town, no cops will go there. Yeah, fair. Unless they happen to be the undead that are being remotely controlled. Yes. Magically. Yes. So, and uh, I really liked, you know, after watching Game of Thrones, you see all these medieval style body burnings. But Mm -hmm. seeing it in a a modern back alley setting was actually really fucking cool. We're not there yet, but that's what's coming. Right, and it's also like... It's a way, it's a very, like, brilliant way to have a respectful burial for the dead, but also, like, 
solve the problem of whether or not he's a vampire. Of whether or not he's a vampire and having to answer to the police for there being a dead body. Yeah. Like, it's it's a very good solution here. It is. Like, if you know you're not going to have anyone called because you're setting a large bonfire, then mm-hmm. you're good. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe take it out into the middle of nowhere to do that and you're less yeah. likely to get bugged by it's, the police. It's L.A. There, there's... There's bound to be a desert nearby. Right? <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't even have to go that far. Anyway, we're uh, on the street now. Yeah. We, we cut to the street where Landok is channeling his mind to identify the... He does some wibbly-wobbly yeah. empath bullshit. Drakendi. There it is. I do not know what the fuck was wrong with I wrote it very badly. The oh, Don't do that. Uh, but apparently the ability that Landok is using is the same ability that Lauren uses to tell people's fate. Hmm. And, you know, Lauren complains a little bit that, like, you know, I use th- I use this to tell people's destiny, and I'm seen as the freaking weirdo. Mm-hmm. And he describes his world as being very black and white, only good and evil, no gray, no music, no art, super fucking boring. I mean... I'm kind of wondering what the hell Lauren's really complaining about here. Nobody thinks you're a freak, Lauren. Everybody loves and reveres you. That being said, yes, it sounds like your clan's world is a bleak and dreary and stupid one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is that you're way ahead of and you shouldn't be there. It's like Lauren is half expecting everyone else to be like, well, why the fuck did you come here? You are you must be a big coward. You came here. It's like, they wouldn't do that. Yeah, no, they wouldn't. Like, and, but that's kind of a, that's a trauma response, the way oh, he's yeah. reacting. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got anxiety solid, over Yeah. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you're taught one thing when you're growing up. and mm. Yeah, he expects people to react that way, even though he knows better. Um, I do that kind of shit all the time. He says something like, uh, he hates it back home because it's all idiots who solve everything with swords, who hide their feelings and never talk about them. Angel can't relate, but I think he's being sarcastic. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Cordelia is certain they're missing something of the bigger picture here, and they also can't figure out where the hell gun is. Lorne and Landok get in another petty squabble about Lorne being a coward. Lorne argues he was busy getting ladies. While, he, while Landok was busy being a nerd, even though it was, you know, being a warrior nerd, it's still a nerd. I'm a little bummed that they didn't give an opportunity in this episode. Twice now, Landok has said, had, has called Lorne a coward. And he has responded with, first off, not a coward. And then continued on talking. And I really would have liked it if there was some redemption there where he, like, showed that he wasn't a coward. But he didn't really do anything. Yeah, I thought that was going to get resolved by the end of this episode. And it just kind of didn't. Right. We'll get there. But either way, shut the fuck up, Landokmar. You're the worst character since George or the other guy. (laughs) I don't care. They both suck. But Hark! Landokmar senses with his green demon empathicness <laughs> that the draken has found more food to take with him somewhere or something. <laughs> and Cordelia realizes that he means people, and it's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. you mean people? Oh, you mean people! <laughs> Quote of the day right there. Cut to a standard industrial yard full of pallets. 
It was a pallet recycling place. Ah. Yeah. And they're specifically arranged in kind of a maze-like fashion. Yeah. You know, if you're going to ha- if you're going to have a pallet recycling place and you don't arrange it in a maze, then really what what the fuck is the point? You're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they find the draken or the draken draken Draken, Drukin, Draken, Draken. Um, <laughs> the Draken dragging a woman along with it. And they don't rush in after it because they don't have gun with them. Yeah. Not a gun. They just don't have the gun. Yes. And But they do have Landokmar <laughs> Jenkins. Yeah. And Angel and Lauren follow him in like fucking morons. Like, shit. He Did he just go in? He just went in. He just went in. I guess we gotta go. We gotta go. go. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck your plans. (laughs) And uh, Wesley is crestfallen that there's no plan. And (laughs) Landok Barn gets bitten immediately and is down and out like the moron he is. Yeah. And the only anecdote, not anecdote, the only antidote is in their home world. And they presume that the draken is looking for the woman who ran off already. And we see it slinking around a bit as they all bicker about some nonsense shit. And uh, Wesley finds the woman and he's carrying a flare, but he's by himself. Kind of an honorable mention quote of the day, just because I thought it was fucking hilarious. Angel and Wesley split up. Wesley's trying to find the girl. Angel's trying to find the demon. And as Angel's walking around, he's calling out, Hey, you want food? I can be food. Pretty tasty here. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. I, that's what it was. That's what I was trying to find when you came in. And I, the episode was only half through. That's what it was. Here, yeah. kitty, kitty. <laughs> oh, God. They presume the dragon is looking for the woman. Yeah. Wesley finds the woman. He's carrying a lit flare. And she's screaming. It looks like she's screaming at him. And he's like, don't be scared. But and no, it's just the demon behind you, Wesley. And he looks behind him, and he immediately gets tackled by the draken, cut to commercial. Yeah. And he's pinned to the ground, and he shoves the lit end of this flare into the draken's face. It Right in the mouth. We just, hear a sizzling noise, yeah. and I was hopeful for a moment that he did some kind of damage. It seemed like he didn't. It just kind of ate it. Uh, it was just a spicy meatball. Like a toddler eating a birthday candle that's <laughs> technically safe. it's made out of crayon or something that's non-toxic material yeah non-toxic wax exactly and then the dragon makes a cartoon gulp noise yep wesley (laughs) pulls it back and it's like a marred end of the the flare yeah yeah he fights it a little bit angel shows up and then fucking spears him through the neck with his sword yeah he hucks it with really good aim which is a good thing because when you throw your weapon you better be fucking sure <laughs> right. that it's going to hit the target. If you throw your weapon, either you better have another weapon yeah, or don't fucking miss. Exactly. <clears throat> so a slight zoom in and dramatic music cue on Angel as if he's about to have a great one-liner. And then even for Angel, it's really <laughs> dumb yeah. and not well delivered and no. not well written. On purpose, all of these things, I imagine. He says... Well, that was fun. <laughs> so, hey, subversion. Hey, cut to uh, everybody's walking to the car. Yep. And Cordy's been looking through the book this whole time because now, let me tell you, folks, Cordy is thinking with portals. Oh, hell yes, she is. 
Because she's figured out that the way to send Landok back home is to have Landok read this passage that Fred read in her vision, and that should send Landok back. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you miss out on a couple games of Canasta. I punch those numbers into a calculator. It makes a happy face. I know that's probably like the third time I've referenced that yeah, on this podcast. Who Deal with it. It's good. <laughs> and, you know, there is this moment where Wesley and Angel have a little bit of doubt over Cordy being like, no, I understand what's going on here. Because Cordy historically is not the researcher. And Wesley kind of starts to speak his doubts, but they pause for a moment. And then they're like, no, you know what? Fuck it. We trust her. She's got a hunch. Yeah, she's got that, a hunch. and That these portals, the reason she was shown the vision of Fred with the portal, and now they've got two demons that have come through these same portals. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, three if you count Lorne. Yeah. Um, who knows how he got here? I bet... <gasps> Fred probably came up missing when Lorne came through. Nope. How long's Lorne been here? Long enough to be worried about the reference of Lorne Green. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> anyway, she's fairly certain that these work two ways and that it will not bring something back through the portal if we send the Lorne's cousin back right. through one. But they have to specifically do it at a place where a portal has already opened. Hmm. So we go back to Caritas. Caritas. Um, oh, and this whole time Landokmar is absolutely badgering Lorne to do the death rituals if he dies. And Lorne's like, no, fuck you. I don't follow our religion like, anymore. You're not going to die. He never explicitly says no, but man, this guy needs to learn how to take a hint. So, I mean, he does kind of explicitly well, say no. Well, you know, if if they come they come from a world that's all black and white, then I doubt there's any subtlety or lying. Also true. So, real quick before we get to Caritas, now we see the actual funeral pyre yep. that... We get a bit of sad piano. Gun and his people have set up for George. Yep. Not George. Rondell. George. Fine, whatever. <laughs> I will literally pull it up on the wiki and show you his face. I believe you and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah and this is just so fucking illegal but i can believe that they could get away with it in a couple of spots in, in the city with the specific setup that they've talked about of this area of the city i it it works yeah for me. it works for me if they're near enough smokestacks there's probably nobody that would question it yeah that's that's very especially true. if they can tell that it's coming from quote unquote the bad part of town right so it's it's also just super gangster um like i'm a little jealous i do right. kind of see the allure of that kind of life dude i i hate the idea of like traditional funerals it's really the and amount I, of community that no, there yeah. seems to be involved yeah, with it. I completely agree. Which we just don't get enough of these days. And that, you know, that's also a lot to do with how we grew up. Like for me, I grew up, the only sense of community that I got like that was religion. Blah. And, you know, Blah. that. <laughs> I, I have. I these your shoes? Blah. <laughs> I have uh, notable religious trauma. Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> 
anybody but, who's still in religion has notable religious trauma. They just aren't accepting. I actually had some. I had a, a kind of a triggering episode, so to speak, of my religious trauma that uh, happened last week or the week before, and it was kind of a oh. Oh, that's still there. (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. Hmm. And so we're watching this funeral pyre and I'm like, oh, that's what the chairs were for. And Gunn, of course, is standing on the stairs in the background, lording over his minions that he abandoned because he is, after all, much richer than they are. Yeah. And he is clearly a capitalist. Yeah. He left them for money. Yeah. I mean, he he didn't just love all these white people so much that he would right. rather be with them. Right. Come on. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> That's a really <laughs> shitty reduction of his character. I mean, yeah. Let me back but... that up briefly. Um, <laughs> I think he saw an opportunity to do greater amounts of good in much quicker, larger swaths. Yeah. Um. And I think he also felt that his people could take care of him themselves. Yeah, it was kind of a Giles situation. Yeah. He needed to leave them to let them grow. Or something. Kinda. You're not ready <laughs> for the world outside. We're not ready for that. Stop it. You keep pretending, but you just can't hide. Anyway, back to Caritas. Oh. A person needs certain designer things. You shouldn't be trying to eat my friend's brains. vampire so uh, they took Landokmar back to where the original portal opened up because why not and they hand him the book and say start reading asshole I was so expecting him to be like I can't, I can't read, read. <laughs> yeah <laughs> me too and he of course has to compliment Angel for being a great warrior and then they fillet one another in front of the A-team uh, it's not well received so the scene is cut also, my God, it's cable television. Come on, guys. I mean, <laughs> does the FCC count for nothing anymore? If it was cut, how'd you see it? Where'd you get the bootleg I'm copy? a very special man. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea what I went through to get that cut. <laughs> how many times I had to fillet David Boreanaz. <laughs> and the guy that played Lord Akmar, but Land Akmar. <laughs> you had no idea how many conventions and ren fairs I had to go to to find him. <laughs> three. <laughs> exactly three. <laughs> he was at all of them. I just didn't see him until the third one. <laughs> I ended up blowing two guys that just looked kind of like. I was like, I'm running. <laughs> okay, I'm a little drunk. Wow. <laughs> sure, a lot drunk, I think. <laughs> okay, none of that actually happened. Anyway, anyway, everyone says their goodbyes. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, Landark reads from the the book. The portal opens. Oh, he's gone. And oh, no. Quote of the day. Just before he leaves, Lauren says to him, tell my mother I 
Tell her I threw myself into the sacrificial canyons of Trelinsk. Landok says, I feel we will meet again someday. And Lauren says, oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> Which was exactly my reaction, too. <laughs> I feel that so bad. Oh, my God. It's like, they better fucking not bring him back for another right. episode. He does not deserve it. No. As an actor or a character. <laughs> so they all wash their hands of the ordeal and... What's hey Cordy? What's your opinion? Oh shit, she's yeah, gone she's not there. Um, Cut to Cordy finding herself in Lauren's dimension in the land of the lost. Do you remember that show? I do remember that show. I watched the shit out of that show. Two sons. Yes, I didn't see any dinosaurs, but I bet there's dinosaurs. There might be. There were definitely there's, some. some there's hides. definitely some demons. There were hides that were being tanned. There's demons. Yeah. 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 Um. I wonder if there's some kid's dad that accidentally drove his SUV into a crack <laughs> in the highway with a finite amount of gas who then <laughs> let him use the SUV to take this random cave woman on a date. That's the only episode I remember. I don't remember much of that show. I watched that fucking show and I don't remember shit from it. I mean, now knowing that the gasoline wouldn't be good longer than a year, so you might as well use it up. Yeah. It makes me feel a little differently about that. But I'm like, wouldn't you save that for as long I, as possible? By the way, um, <laughs> that is one of the number one problems I have with most post-apocalyptic anything. Yeah. I know a bit too much about like... Combustion no, engines. Yeah, you just... Sure. And the also, oil, the oil breaks down and the gas breaks down. Oil way breaks too down, fast. gas breaks down, rubber breaks down. Yeah. Once rubber starts breaking down, you're fucked. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, time, time to make some wooden wagon wheels. <laughs> Gerarg. Ger fucking arg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength, strength. Give, give, give me more! Nights, I shall walk in Hold on. You've got something here. How'd you feel about this episode, Josh? Um, was it not apparent? <laughs> no, this episode has some good things about it. I'm pretty 50-50 on this episode. It had some entertaining moments. I was very glad to learn more about Lorne. I did not remotely fucking remember that Lorne's home dimension was the dimension that Fred was trapped in. Ditto. I didn't remember that at all. Ditto. And that, like, that kind of excites me, mm -hmm. that, that the tie-in there. I um, do kind of remember how unmemorable Landokmar was. I didn't remember Landokmar at all. And I didn't remember that fucking Cordy... Went to the other dimension. It kind of... Right? Me either. It kind of spoiled it for like, me at the very beginning of the episode. Because the names roll, scrolling across the screen, I saw Amy Acker. And I was yep. like, wait a second. Yep. Wait the I, fuck up. Same fucking thing. I'm like, shit, this is uh, the first episode of Fred. Yep. And I was really excited about that. But then I'm like, oh, that would have been so much better if I had gotten the surprise. Yeah, ditto. Because I wouldn't have recognized her from the vision. Really? Yeah, no, I barely... I mean, it it wasn't a particularly good... Because it, it was all grainy and, like, visiony and had the, like, it's, filters and whatnot over it's it. It's literally been 
18 years since I watched I'm, I'm this so show. excited to, to <laughs> I'm so excited for Fred to come on the show. I'm so excited that now that we know Lauren's name, I think he becomes more of a regular on the show for the rest of this season and next season he's a regular. Yes. That was really probably like, the best thing about this episode is this was the true induction of Lauren into the ranks of the A team. Yes. And the other part is is this is a sign I think when they brought Gunn in, that was helpful. Because the problem they had for the entire beginning of the show was too small of a cast. And too many people that were directly from the Buffy cast. Right. And the the thing is, is this format and the way the writers write the show, it's designed to be an ensemble cast. Yeah. It's designed to have a relatively large cast. Most really good TV shows then and older, specifically like cable TV shows, were ensemble casts. Star Trek. Game yeah, of Thrones. Exactly. So like... I'm really flabbergasted every time I watch... I'm on my second watch through of Game of Thrones. And I'm just like, first of all, I'm amazed at how much I don't remember. And I only watched this like a year ago. It's right. the first show I've ever rewatched so soon after having seen all of it. And... The sheer number of characters they managed to make me extremely invested in is staggering. It really is. There's never a moment where I'm like, oh, this storyline. And the thing is... The closest it gets is Cersei Lannister. Mm. That's the, the closest it gets. I, I can tell you the thing is, is that that's not on the writers of the show. That's on the books. Ah, okay. That's on the books. Anyway, that aside, this is... I think a turning moment for this show and I appreciate that and maybe just maybe the rest of this season won't be as fucking total shit as the fucking entire previous portion you know the the episode pulled itself together you may have noticed how I felt about it up to the point of the plot hole emporium yeah when I called it the most useless 21 minutes of television that you ever witnessed in your life and it was. Because like, the first half of this episode was a bunch of fucking nothing. Yep. Absolutely nothing. The commercial didn't amount to anything. My mom's the, synopsis the, didn't start until Cordy saw the vision of Fred. Right. The Hacklar demon didn't amount to anything. There's a hint that there's going to be vampire fighting. That didn't happen. Like, the entire fucking lead-in to the episode, up until the moment when they start hunting the demon for Lorne. Yeah. Nothing. You're not wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm 50-50, um, but it's not a meh 50-50. Right. It's a literal half of it sucked and half of it was great. I agree. With the exception of, of uh, Landok. <laughs> He, oh god! What you liked Landoc? No, I hated Landoc. Okay, I like hated he, Landoc too. He was fucking he's the awful. half that he's part of the half that sucked. Yeah, um, I'm not divvying it down the middle of the timestamp. Okay, that's fair. I'm divvying it up amongst characters and things that yeah. happened. Yeah, because George and what was his fucking name? The other fucking guy, How Rondell. Can I, Rondell. Rondell. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking. They were nothing characters back in Thin Deadline too. I did really like the moment though, where uh, they came into the hotel and they had kind of a moment with Wesley, and it like in this that, episode, yeah. Well, so Rondell and George come in, 
and Gunn greets them. Oh yeah, and then West, they were like, "Are West, you? How are you doing, man? You took a bullet for us." Okay, yeah. You know what? That did actually kind of make me like them. And then the way they treated Gunn was really shitty, and <laughs> I was over it. Anyway, let's get to quotes of the day and get out of this place. Absolutely. What's your quote of the day, Rex? I'm gonna go with uh, the the one the first one I came across in the episode, which was Angel saying, "I'm not cheap. I'm just old." <laughs> I remember when a few bob got you a good meal, a bottle, and a tavern wench. Mm-hmm. What was the other one where he said something about now I really feel old? Uh, when no one got the bonanza reference. Okay, yeah, I enjoy that because I keep outing my own age. A lot these I, days as well. And as my fiance is younger than me and doesn't know any of the shows I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> and yeah, one, one of your roommates is really young. Also that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that constantly you're making a reference in there like deer in headlights. It's a great source of humor. I bet. But we connect just fine. It's great. So what's your quote of the day? My quote of the day is Angel... When they're in the pallet maze and he says, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Because that's fucking funny. Yeah. I do the same thing. I'm food. I'm tasty. Um, <laughs> look at me. Don't you want to eat me? Short, short of taking his shirt off and swinging it around. I mean. Doing a little dance. Hey, yeah. we do know that he can dance. Yeah. You know, he that makes dance. a lot of sense that, he, that he's a good physical actor because he's an excellent dancer. Yeah. Yeah. Even when he's trying to dance badly, right? it's still pretty good. It's it's better <laughs> than I can dance at my best. Well, that's not saying much, but you're right. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't think you've ever actually seen me attempt to dance. I kind of have. A little bit. Uh, I won't call that dancing. Okay, that's fair. It's middle school dancing is what yeah. that is. Um, it's my partner wants to grind against me on the dance floor. Yeah, middle school dancing. Yeah. Exactly. I had a few runner-up lines, but nothing I didn't already say already. Hey, this has been another episode of Ale with Angel, everybody. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Uh, If you want to buy some of our merchandise, we have lots of that over at beerwithbuffy.com slash shop. But you don't have to type in the slash shop because there's a link to it on the homepage. It's like we designed a website or something. If you want to just give us your goddamn money and become an executive doodle-doo, you can. And we'd love it if you did. And we'll say your name all the time. Just head on over to patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. You do have to type the slash beerwithbuffy on that one. Otherwise, you're not going to get far. Don't forget to review us on iTunes. You can get a free sticker and it will also automatically enter you into a contest to win a free hoodie. We're currently at 58 reviews, but plus seven UK reviews or five or something. When we get to 75 reviews, we will do another contest. For a free hoodie. And we are counting those UK reviews to that number of reviews. That is correct. We have UK distribution. You're welcome. Uh, If you ever have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. You can also call us and leave us a voicemail or text us at 269-743-0783. Last but not least, big shout out to JJ Treadway for all of our closing, opening, and transitional music. This has been Ale with Angel. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Have a good night. Six dollars at Walmart, man. <laughs> <laughs> so pissed. <laughs> also, fuck Walmart. Yeah. I make allowances for you years, but I
expect a certain amount of responsibility, and instead of which you enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color? <laughs> done why are we watching this 